Hey everyone and welcome to a really late edition of the Responsive Design Weekly Podcast. Uh, My name is Justin Avery, I am your host and curator of the weekly newsletter, Responsive Design Weekly, and this podcast of course. Um, It's been a while, so hello everyone. I hope you're having a great, um, well what is it, 2018? I think, I feel like I've not uh, spoken to anyone in six months, it's been a while. So the last one was episode number 69. This is episode number 60. It has been a while. It was April that I was doing this. And I think I said, like I always do, I, I'm going to try and get back into the swing of it. I'm going to be doing these weekly. And I think last time I was like, oh, I'll maybe do these fortnightly. Maybe we can use these um, by bi- annually. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, but there was something uh, which came up today which sort of uh, twigged in my mind. I'm like, oh, I really kind of want to articulate this uh, and talk about it. So I was collecting uh, articles, as I do on a weekly basis, for the, the newsletter. And I came across this really cool article um, called uh, Should Designers Code? And this is something which goes around and around the houses. Um, I've recently seen um, Brad Frost and Dan Maul are doing an amazing series at the moment uh, of their own back. They they work together um, on some projects. Uh, I think it's uh, Dan Maul has a... Uh, an agency where he is like oh, the one-man band and he takes in projects and has a couple of people that he works with and he brings them in uh, for projects. So I think it's Dan Maul, um, Josh Clark, uh, Brad is another one. And Dan does the design, so the visual design, and Brad, who is also a designer, but I would say more a front-end designer um, who does the build side of things. So he puts the div tags the section tags the html uh the css behind the visual approach that uh dan mall um is creating but they work together really well Uh, and i apologize to both of them if that was a bad explanation Um, but they work together really well uh, by bouncing off each other and it's not sort of like hey designer you go and design something which is really cool and then let's see if we can build it so their series is really good and they show how they work together. They show their workflow, the tools that they use to be able to work backwards and forwards with each other. So it's really good. Definitely go check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but Or you can just Google Brad and Dan. I'm sure it'll come up. But no, Brad Frost and Dan Maul um, collaboration. It'll come up. Now, this uh, article uh, came through from uh, Jen's... Or Jens Oliver Merit. Sorry, I'm going to, that's badly pronounced as well, I'm sure. Um, and I came across his blog, and his title was Should Designers Code? And it's a reoccurring question, as he points out. And it's true, we, we're always sort of like, uh, designers definitely should code, they definitely shouldn't. And there's a number of different reasons around why it could be good or, or may not be good. And, and this article, I think, is uh, really well rounded. And as well-rounded as the article is, you could probably hear some crying in the background there, which is all sorted now. And good night, Darcy. I hope you stay asleep from here on in. But let's get back to the article. So it's talking about whether or not designers should code. Um, And it it starts off, essentially, it's a no, designers should not code. But it goes into it a little bit more. 
So it's more looking into the why should designers code and what are we actually talking about when we say should designers code? And the the questions that um, the article kind of poses is, should they have to code? Should they be able to code? Should they be allowed to code? Um, and it's which one of these should they actually be doing? And should they be able to develop or should they have to develop? And what he's saying is that no, they should not have to develop. Um, and that's what the answer is for this particular one, is looking at the actual question of whether designers should be able to develop. And the two reasons uh, that he includes for that is that it's just simply not part of a designer's workflow to develop. Um, so for one who designs, you shouldn't have to develop in the same way that we don't expect marketers to develop products or car salesmen to build automobiles or farmers to be able to cook. We're talking about the definitions of particular professions and the separations of concerns. So it mentions that it's possibly useful, but uses useful in sort of like an italics way. Um, so I'm not sure if that's putting an emphasis on it or uh, like a, an air quotes around it. I'm, I'm going to go with emphasis, um, but it's not compulsory that they should be able to do it. And number two uh, is that, and this is where I differ in opinion for this, is that... Um, a designer that can code uh, seems to limit them in a dangerous fashion. So how can a designer be truly creative if everything that needs to happen within the bounds of their own technical capabilities? And there's a, um, there's a, a chart, because everyone loves a chart, right, uh, that, that describes this um, about uh, design and technical, actu technical actualities and potentials as well. Um, and then he goes on to, to explain a little bit more about this and giving the designers a little bit more freedom around it. And and I've talked to, uh, I've worked with lots of really brilliant designers. So uh, most recently I've worked with a, a guy called Dan who helped, oh, no, I say help, who redesigned the responsive design to his site. Uh, at work, I get to work with a fantastic designer, uh, Raquel, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and then when we're super busy, we get uh, another another designer in as well, um, who is amazing. And it's it's great to work with really talented digital designers. Um, but I'm not sure about the, the 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 sort of flat no that they shouldn't need to be able to design. So for me. I think, um, and again, this, everyone has their own opinion of it, and I'm not a designer. Um, I design things, but I don't consider myself a, a designer, at least definitely definitely not a visual designer. Uh, but, you know, I have an opinion. It's my podcast. I can say stuff. Um, so for me, um, designers, they're, they're problem solvers. I think everyone's like a problem solver when we're building things. But designers uh, are essentially, and especially problem solvers they take a problem and they produce a solution so someone has an issue and they find a way to design around that and and come up with a good solution but the thing is every designer is at a different level of experience some are junior some have done things a million times some are stuck in a rut others are looking to push the boundaries um some are really good at designing the best user journey for a user. Right? They're still a designer. And some are able to provide 
uh, a visually engaging interface for users as well. Now, neither one of those, if, if they're two different people, it's great if it's the same person, but if they're two different people, neither of them are any less of a designer than the other. They just have different levels of skills in different areas of expertise, but I still think they're both considered designers. Now, I've never had anyone ever that I can recall uh, say that they're worse at their job after they've learned a new skill. I just don't think it's possible to to learn something and be more knowledgeable about a subject and then therefore become worse at what you were able to do before. I think you can only enhance your capabilities by becoming more aware, both in the disciplines that you work within, but also outside of those as well. If you have your own personal projects that you approach, um, you, I think the even for, if you're if you're playing sport or if you're, you're playing chess or the things that you learn through other things that you're doing, reading a book, reading an autobiography, a biography, the things that you'll pick up from that will help you articulate the things that you do in a better way, I think anyway. So I think if a designer learns how to code and improves their capabilities by learning to code and building things, they're not all of a sudden going to become less creative, and they're not going to not want to further push those boundaries. They'll just become more knowledgeable about the boundaries that exist. If they then decide not to push past that, it's not because learning to code has restricted them. It's because they have decided that the designs that they're going to produce are going to be different because of what they know. Not worse, not, I think, better, but not worse. And it's not limiting them. I think the more you learn, the better you become. Um, and I mean, this is probably a bad comparison. Um, and please let me know if you think it's a terrible comparison or if you have better comparisons. Um, but the, I mean, if you look at something like an engineer, right? So if building a bridge or an architect who is designing a house, now they can come up with amazing solutions. But can they come up with amazing solutions that? fit the user's requirements and look amazing but aren't possible to build. Like they're just they're still I still look at them as designers, they're problem solvers, but they have to work within the boundaries of things and they can become as beautiful like they can create these amazing experiences and push the boundaries as far as they can, but they still have to be technically sound because they still need to be usable. There's still laws that they need to to adhere to. I appreciate on the web, we're not bound by as many laws. We're we're almost making it up as we go along. If we find something that's a problem, um, we can not necessarily code around it. We can actually change the, the, I want to say the fabric of the web, but we can... Through browser implementations, we've we've got grid. uh, We've got responsive images. We've got... um, semantic markup we've moved away from tables we've got floats we've got flexbox like we had these problems that we couldn't solve previously and we've just developed around it we've built better things now for physical structures like houses and and bridges that there is physics you cannot uh you just can't go past physics right so from a performance point of view for the websites that you can still only transmit uh, signals at the speed of light so you you're never going to get 
faster than the speed of light for a website to load, but there's a lot of things that we can develop around it. So I can see the differences between them a little bit, um, but I still think there's the a designer that knows how to code and knows some things will limit some of the things that they might come up with because they know fundamentally at the moment it's it's just not possible and not more not possible but more not practical with that particular approach. Now, I agree, sometimes uh, radical thinking can push the boundaries and I think we see that every now and then in lots of different disciplines where someone's radical opinions and thoughts and approaches to things have have revolutionized the way in which we approach things. can't think of any examples off the top of my head, um, but we, we do see it. Some radical thinking do push the boundaries and open up new doors that would otherwise have been closed and, and never explored. But I think these events are really rare and they're they just they come around so infrequently, which is I realize rambling. That is literally the meaning of rare. Um, but I think for most of the time, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, we need something from designers. From we need things from people that are amazing solutions, which are delivered with the tools, fittings, fixtures, the approaches that we have within our current tool set. As much as we want to push the boundaries on every project that we do, budgets don't allow for it. And sometimes it's just not simply the time. So going back to the the point of the article was, should designers have to code? Absolutely not. I totally agree with that. Definitely shouldn't have to. But should they learn the... Would it be a bad thing? I disagree with the approach of the the second point where um, it limits their creativity afterwards. That I think is not a, is not a limiting factor. I think if anything, as you learn more, your ideas and capabilities and approach to the problems that you see in front of you uh, are only going to be uh, improved by the knowledge that you gain through through learning new things, whether that be to code or to do anything else. It might be learning more about accessibility. Right? I've seen so many amazing designs. In fact, we launched a website very, very recently, um, which the designs were absolutely amazing. Yeah, when we launched, we had to bump up the font sizes. We had to change a couple of the colors and the backgrounds because of the contrast, purely because from an accessibility point of view, it didn't work um, and it didn't pass the, the grade that we were looking for. Now, if we were if all of the designers had a better appreciation of accessibility from the outset, then we wouldn't have run into this issue. And the designs, although they may not look as aesthetically pleasing, are more functional from a practical point of view. And I think the same thing is with coding as well. Anyway, that's my rant. Um, let me know what you think. Like, do you think that designers should have to should it be mandatory that they should learn to to code and of course from this point of view we're, we're talking about web designers or a digital designers i suppose you know, have to design for the web you can design or we can treat apps or native apps as separate but yeah should should they need to learn how to code or will they become better designers will they become worse designers are they going to be limited by knowing the technical restrictions that are placed in front of them what what do you think um 
yeah, that's it for this week. Um, there's a couple of other links. Like if you're if you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting, Justin. Please tell me more. Um, you can go and read uh, the article. Um, it's on the newsletter this week. It's also in the show notes of this particular uh, podcast. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff in this week. One thing that I'm really looking forward to for December is there is a ton of Advent calendars, online Advent calendars that come out. Um, there are some on web performance, which are terrific. There is an alley one, which is terrific. Um, they are they are so great. So I'm going to list um, a couple of them uh, in, um, uh, in, in the show notes. Um, and there's another one which, oh my goodness, it escapes me at the moment, but it is my absolute favorite one. So it's really going to frustrate me, um, but it will be at the top of the list. Um, yeah, the, I, I love December because generally, well, usually work will start winding down a little bit. It's a chance to plan for the new year. It's a chance to look back at all the projects that you've done and compile a list of things that you should have done and you'll do better next year make the list and follow them for next year but also it gives us an opportunity to sort of sit back and go you know what I, I need to go through and learn some new stuff I need to reinvigorate myself for the new year I'm going to learn based on all these tutorials and like I said these show notes will have um, all the tutorials in there for you to go and check out for all of the different advent calendars coming up but that's it for me thank you for listening and yeah, I hopefully I'm gonna I'm not gonna see you next week. There's no way I'm gonna be able to do this two weeks in a row. So thanks for listening and I will see you again soon. Cheers. Bye.